Welcome to The Deciders with Renee Frazier. I'm Renee Frazier, founder and CEO of Frazier Communications. We're the leading woman-owned and woman-led advertising and communications firm in Southern California. And we're delighted to be a full-service integrated firm that brings you the Talk, Read, Sing campaign throughout the state of California and many others. The Deciders, our show, features change agents, educators, people who bring us a point of view and data that helps enlighten our lives. Uh, We like people to share their stories, their insights that help businesses grow and become more successful in terms of the impact they make. As you know, on The Deciders, we explore often how we can help women advance into greater leadership roles. Today, we're going to be talking about that within the context of ageism. It's funny because ageism is a topic I actually know personally. I experienced it in the advertising business, but what was probably more potent and powerful in my life is my father, who had been in advertising, also experienced ageism. And it was a very devastating experience for him. I'll share that later on in the interview. We have been facing discrimination and fighting it, particularly here in the United States, but of course, around the world. We've addressed uh, LGBTQ issues with same-sex marriage in over 25 states. It's now acceptable. We're certainly fighting racism and working very hard as we see how seriously it is systemically involved in our world. But age discrimination is another ism and another area that I think we need to address. And we're going to be talking about that today. I read a study that in Britain, they did research on this, and 73% of the people see ageism in their lives. And that is a result of COVID. It's become much more evident. Today, we're going to talk to the authors of a new book that really focuses on this. It's about midlife women called Invisible to Invaluable, unleashing the power of midlife. And I think it's really important when we think about midlife women, we're talking about those born between 1950 and 1975. Uh, The two authors who are with us, Jane Evans and Carol Russell, I'm going to let them give a little bit of their background and you'll meet them now. Welcome to the show, Jane and Carol. Uh, It's okay. We'll begin with you, Jane. Yep. No problems. Tell me, uh, you you had a stunning career in advertising, like my business. Uh, Tell me how you found out about it and what your perspective is on this issue before you wrote the book and what caused you to write the book. Okay. So, yes, I I had a 30-year-plus very highly successful career uh, in both London and in Australia. Um, I was a regional creative director at Dave Walter Thompson. I ran my own agency with clients like Revlon and Maserati, um, and I created one of the world's first craft beers. Um, In 2013, I moved back to the UK and, I joke, I took my maternity leave. Um, I took a couple of years off and studied at the National Film and Television School and at BAFTA. Um, And uh, then in 2015, the the figure came out from the 3% conference in the state that 3% of the world's creative directors were female. And I was one of the world's most ridiculously overqualified candidates, so stuck my hand up very loudly and was completely and utterly ignored by my industry. Um, it didn't matter where the introduction came from or, or, or what it was that the systemic ageism added to the sexism was just unbelievable. There was no way that a woman over 50 was getting back into the industry, especially not in a role that actually had any say. And, you know, creative directors are the people that ultimately decide what we see in, in, 
on the television and in the media. So, um, yeah. Um, so I, I actually started out, um, I put out a tweet and asked if there were actually any women over the age of 50 creating ads in London. Um, I think it was retweeted 64 times and I got eight names. Um, I went and met these women and I thought I was setting up a social media campaign, sort of uh, humans of New York type thing where I'd take a photograph of the woman and tell her story. Um, we launched on International Women's Day in 2019 and within two weeks, the hashtag got two million views and it became apparent that this was a far greater problem than advertising and that there was a societal narrative that needs to change around midlife women. So that, that's, that's, that's the lead up to, and, and, you know, what I started up was a thing called the Uninvisibility Project, which has just gone from strength to strength over the last couple of years. Um, and we now um, run a network of um, amazing female creatives from around the world and match them with clients that are trying to reach the most profitable demographic, which is women 45 plus. Right. That's a key demographic for buying power. I know that there tends to be a focus on 18 to 24, but in reality, 45 plus women buy more and have more buying power. Uh, so the Uninvisibility Project, how can people find that? Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Um, it's all un Uninvisibility. We've got a website, uninvisibility.com. We're on Instagram. Um, so the great thing about having a made up name is, is that, you know, basically put in Uninvisibility and you'll find us everywhere. Perfect. Perfect. Carol, let's hear your story. I know you uh, have been involved in television production. What, where did you see this gap and this, uh, this area issue of invisibility? Um, yes, I'm a writer for television um, and luckily BAFTA nominated writer. Uh, but as time was going on, what I noticed was the kind of stories that I wanted to tell to the demographic audience of 54 plus, because that's the demographic that, that watches TV in the UK, I was being told they wanted younger. <laughs> and they wanted stories of young families and young, young people. And it's not that I couldn't write those stories. It's just that I believe that the women who were sitting at home deserve to see stories that starred them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, we hear this from actors as well. But did, did you hit a lot of roadblocks or did you find some people who were willing to listen? Mostly I hit roadblocks. Um, certainly in the time when I met Jane, uh, we both met at the National uh, Screen uh, Television and Film School in the UK. And at that particular time, it was really tough trying to get the stories off the ground. I'd get meetings, my scripts would be seen, they would, they, people would think they were great. But when I went in and pitched stories to them of you know, women who were over 40, they looked aghast. And these are the women who were over 40 that I was talking to in those offices. So that's, for, for me, it, it, it was very difficult at first. But now I do feel a shift and a change, certainly since COVID. So the people I've been meeting have been happier to hear some of the stories that I want to tell. And so we'll see if anybody actually picks one of them up and green lights them. That will be the actual uh, taste, uh, uh, the proof of the pudding. I, I think that's wonderful to know that they're listening right now. Your question is, will they take action? I wonder after COVID, I think uh, we all know there's been a, a period during this time when we've all done self-reflection. 
and reevaluated and also tried to be more genuine and more authentic. One of the interesting things about Zoom is you, you end up having to share stories and ask people how they're doing all the time. And so you learn a little more about their lives and you see their their background. Right. So there's been a, a certainly a sense of uh, uh, willingness to dwell and deep, go deeper. But but do you have a sense of why they're more willing uh, during COVID? What's your take on it? Um, I think from a business perspective, which is, you know, probably the biggest change that I've seen is that businesses have taken this time to actually take that time to stop and reflect. Um, you know, I remember I used to always get into trouble because, you know, I'd wanted to go and change something within a big organization and have some boss going, Jane, it's a very big ship. It takes a long time to turn it around. And I think, you know, this has actually forced everybody to look at their systems, look at what they do um, and, you know, almost rebuild without having to rebuild. And so I'm seeing a massive change in people's attitudes. The other thing is, is that I found and, and one of the reasons why we've succeeded so much during lockdown is people that we could never get to see before we can get to see. And so, you know, what what would you know, previously be, you know, something in the diary three months ahead that I'd probably have to fly to San Francisco for a 15 minute stand up meeting all of a sudden turns in, into half an hour on a Zoom call next week. Um, and, you know, and I think, again, um, because we haven't all been in the, in the same office, we've, been, we've actually been able to choose who we relate to and who we talk to. Okay. So instead of being stuck in meetings all the time, I've found that people are actually reaching out going, I'm really interested in what you're saying and what you're doing. How can we help you? What can we do to move ahead? How can you help us? Um, so I think it's it, it's brought a new openness and, an, a, and, a, and a curiosity for different ways of doing things and also working with different people. Well, you know what I think is great is you folks are pushing for this. You know, that's what's important. Interestingly, uh, earlier this week, uh, I got contacted by a woman who worked at Disney. I knew her when she worked at Disney. She's been out of the workforce. She wanted advice on how to get back in. So she represents exactly what we're talking about. A woman over 45 took time out for her family and then with COVID has great skills and she needs to get back in. But I had to say to her candidly, the world has become digital and social based. You're going to need to up your skills. And I know it's something you talk about, right? Uh, we also have to be a part of staying in tune with the marketplace, both in terms of the stories you tell and the skills that you have. Uh, would you agree? And tell me what advice you give to women who who want to stay current and be uh, uh, be chosen, but they have to make sure that they're on top of their game. Keep learning, keep learning, keep learning. So yeah. don't stop. Um, and if you can, and, and do what the kids do, um, learn on YouTube. There is basically, you know, you go, I want to learn animation. All right, how do I do this? Onto YouTube, yo. All of the answers are there. Um, so don't be afraid to go back to college. Don't be afraid to take a, a, a training course. Exactly. You know, there are even in, in the state certification programs on Google Analytics. And uh, we recently on the show featured uh, a program that's part of the Moms Project. They, they place women into jobs where they can work remotely. And they have a whole initiative in their diversity realm of training women, upgrading their skills on SEO, SEM, digital skills to make them better prepared. Uh, I know, Carol, you also started something called Fresh Voices. Uh, tell us about that. Fresh Voices UK, I believe. Yes. Fresh Voices UK is a company that I set up to amplify the work of um, ethnically diverse writers. 
because at the time when I set the company up, which was uh, 2011, there were no writers who were ethnically diverse who were writing prime time, on primetime shows. Not one. Amazing. Wow. And I knew we were there. And I was hearing from production companies that they didn't know where to find us. So I set up Fresh Voices UK to help them find us. And one of the things I did as a BAFTA member, I um, persuaded BAFTA to give me some space and to give me just, you know, a little money. And I got some money from the BBC and I got some money from something called the Creative uh, Diversity Network. And I started doing um, script in hand reading for the industry and for the public. I wanted the, pub, uh, the production companies to see that the people they thought didn't, weren't interested in the kind of work that we were doing were interested. And so they were all in the same room. And it was brilliant to see the, the change coming. So we started in 2011. And by 2015, we were running boot camps with the London Film School. And we were getting people ready and prepared. And now, writers that have been through the Fresh Voices boot camp are working with Amazon, Netflix, the BBC. Um, uh, they're also working in the States. Great. And so it, we, proved, we proved that if you, if you push hard and you work hard, that you can break through. I love that idea. I think that's wonderful to hear you've had such success. And I think Raise Voices also got started. And tell us about that organization. Raise Voices is a project uh, that we're doing with women, uh, black women who, who are over 45 who want to tell stories. So what we wanted to do was we were look, we've looked at television and we've managed to start the change in television. And we were looking at theater and we saw that there were very few plays by black women over 45 on anywhere. And so I, we set up Raised Voices as a program to get poor women through and introduce them to the theatre world and to the um, literary managers in theatres so that they could see where we were. Because again, they were saying they didn't know where we were. That's the problem, isn't it? That invisibility that's saying, well, we, we have the intention. We just can't find them. So you folks are pushing them forward, which I think is marvelous. Jane, you know, when you think about our business, the advertising communications business, you're absolutely right. Three percent in the United States, three uh, percent were women creative directors. We formed an organization and we do a conference every year called the three percent conference. I'm happy to say in the States somewhat happy. It's now at 11 or 12 <laughs> percent. Uh, you know, that's a trip. I think it's actually, I think it's actually it could be over 50 percent. I, I think it's up to 17 in America. The solutions. The solutions. Uh, I, I, look, I think we have to start designing women's careers based on a woman's biology and not a man's. Currently, all career paths are based on, you know, a sweet spot of 35, which is usually the point where a man stops playing football and starts playing golf and is probably having a receding hairline. Um, and, you know, that's the cruelest time in the world for, for, for women. It was like, you know, we have to rush to get our degree then we have to rush to get our job. 
then we have to rush to find a man. And then we have to rush to get to the top of our careers so that we may be able to leave it for a few months or a couple of years when we have our children. Um, and then we usually have to fight when we come back from that. So it's like rush, 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 rush. Now, if those women can actually start to see women picking up their careers at 45 and running with them and actually succeeding, and that we recognize that, you know, our, our lives up to this point have been designed for a lifespan up until 70. It's now 90. So we've got 20 extra years which have been thrown in the middle of our lives. And so if we start showing that women can actually take this second half and start running with it and build businesses and startups and take up careers, then younger women can actually, you know, you actually see the sense of relief they get when you tell them this. It's like that they're like, oh, wow, I don't have to constantly be in this rush because nobody's telling them about this stuff. Nobody tells them how great midlife is. Nobody tells them what's on the other side of menopause, which, you know, is a massive boost of testosterone, a massive boost of, of creativity and, and confidence. Um, and, you know, at a time when a woman is, it's actually the best time to put to, for your career because it's, it's probably the first time that you can actually give 100% to it. Really good point. We have to celebrate that age and the opportunity for women, almost recast it. Let me, let me tell you an, an interesting story about ageism. My dad uh, was in the advertising business and uh, he was with Young and Rubicam and, and very involved as an account person. And I had started in the business also after getting my PhD in psychology. And one day I get a call from my father and I've never forgotten this. He was so upset. Renee, I'm turning 50. This is a young man's business. Yes, he said, young man. He said, I, I think this is going to be awful. They're trying to get me out. I don't know what I'm going to do. I've always known when I hit 50, this would be a problem. And sure enough, they pushed him out. He went on to teach and run the 4 uh, training program in the United States. But to the point of telling the clients that uh, he was leaving because he was no longer needed and telling him the clients didn't want him. It was just, uh, just uh, so upsetting to him. Uh, I'll never forget it. So I always worried when I hit 50. Candidly, it's one of the reasons I started my own business. I knew as part of the big ad agency I was in, when I hit 50 and being a woman, woohoo! no freaking way I was going to be able to be successful. I was running a division, you know, at 40. And I, you know, I could see that I was being appreciated and successful. But it's very hard to ignore that your feminine qualities and who you are is a part of your success. And if they view that as diminished in any way as you age, then you just don't have the same coinage. And it's terrible. You can be bright, articulate, successful, but there is a tendency to diminish women as they get older uh, and, and, and to move them into that invisibility category, as you said. So I say entrepreneurship is another avenue women have to think about as they age at 40 and 45. And we can fight the system, and I'm all for that. But you can also flourish and thrive in your own way. How do you folks feel about that? Absolutely. And certainly in, in the UK, one of the things that I've been seeing is, is re, it's, it's come back again, really, is what's happened. When my mother came to the UK in the 1950s, um, she had a portfolio of work. She was a seamstress. She would bake cakes. She would um, do hair in her kitchen. She would cook for um, weddings and, and funerals. Well, mostly weddings and christenings, actually. 
And that's what she used to do to make sure she had enough money to pay all the bills. And what I'm seeing now in the UK is more women doing the things that they love, the things that they used to have as what we call now a side hustle. Sorry about that noise back there. Thank you. Ice cream truck. Yes. So the things that people used to use have as a side hustle. I'm seeing women in the 50 plus age group in the black and Asian communities going back to those things that they loved and building businesses out of those. Wow. I think, uh, you know, I think, you know, the side hustle is certainly a way to get that business started. Right. That's become extremely popular during this covid period. Plus, so many of us have moved to e-commerce. Right. So there's another opportunity. Uh, you know, I think, Jane, and when you think about creative people in the advertising business, graphic design, uh, you know, being able to design furniture, clothing, fashion. I mean, there's lots of opportunities for women. Would you agree? And age tech, age tech, age tech is the one of the most highly invested um, parts of tech at the moment. It was like, you know, if you can create a tech product that is for older people, um, you will absolutely kill it. Um, and it, and it's, a, it's a category that's been run by 35-year-olds who are creating products that are going out in the market and people are going, well, why the hell do we need that? Um, so, you know, we should be in there. We should be, you know, and again, not only are we are our age, but we also looked after our aging parents. So we have a much greater view of, yes, yes, we know what we need at the middle of our lives, but we've also ex- usually experienced firsthand what is needed at the end of our lives. And so, you know, um, companies should be out there, anybody that's in the, the age tech space, if they do not have a midlife person in their midst, they are really, really, really missing out on a whole heap of, of experience and, and, and insight that they won't get out of research groups. Um, you know, they should be running hackathons, you know, age tech hackathons with midlife people. Um, you know, we should be, you know, um, reusing all of that talent that's being lost from the tech industry because it's perceived as too old. Mm. Well, you know, age tech should be welcoming these people with open arms because ageism in tech is 35 plus. You're right. You're right. I know there's a focus, obviously, on having a Gen Z and Gen Y people in your, your millennials in your company to gain, you know, youthful perspective. But what you're saying is midlife folks have bring a whole nother view and uh, uh, value as consultants. You know, I will say one of the tricks that I think we have to be mindful of is uh, how you articulate your point of view. And, and that's true for everyone. But in the case of midlife, uh, to emphasize, it was always this way. It should be that way. We tried it before. That can be very damaging in communications, right? How do you suggest people think about the language they use and the way they frame their thoughts so they're more accepted within this uh, broad range of ages in the workplace? Uh, for Good me, point. it's it's a it's a social narrative that is thousands of years old that we have to change. So you know, we are the first generation are going to live this length of time. So we've got to change our attitudes on aging. Um, but starting with, say, your freaking age. It's like, you know, we, of course, we become invisible when we, I'm like, oh, how old are you? I'm, blah, 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 blah. We should be going, I'm 54, I'm 55, I'm 67, I'm 92. You know, we should be, you know, um, proud of, of 
of getting older. Um, but also we should be inspiring younger people that this is there's an, still an amazing future out there for you. You know, I think we all buy this narrative that, you know, it's a downhill slope. It's not. So, you know, I think we need to be selling this to ourselves, talking to the narrative, in, you know, and, and really checking with ourselves. Do I feel energetic? Do I feel creative? Do I feel confident? Um, okay. you know, I think you're right about that. I mean, I think it's how we we talk you internal talk, but Carol, what, what are your thoughts on how we present ourselves to be credible and uh, sensitive at the same time and uh, trustworthy to some of the younger folks? I, uh, I have friends who are 20 years older than me and 20 and 30 years younger than me. And that I found to be really important because I think that in some ways I stand as kind of like a, a proxy for their mothers and when they see that I am vital and I am still creative and I am still just bursting with life it makes them look at their mothers differently yeah and point. that's one of the ways in which I believe that we can change this conversation because if we are going out there and showing everyone how vital we are then it helps them to see their parents and then mothers in particular, in a different way. Good advice from both of you. It's really about being your authentic self, embracing your age and owning it, right? And then sharing it with others. Uh, I've only got about 20 seconds left. I'm going to turn it back to Jane. Any advice you'd like to give our listeners, Jane, to not be in, in, invisible and to emphasize your how valuable you are? Don't be afraid to shout it from the rooftops. Um, and if you are a shy person, get a group of midlife women and go and shout it together. Uh, but we need to be changing this narrative very quickly. So we need as many of us to get together. We need a real sisterhood. If ever was a time we needed a real sisterhood, it's now. Oh, thank you. This has uh, been a wonderful conversation. And a sisterhood is right. Women have to step up and help other women against uh, discrimination and ageism. This has been an interesting conversation with Carol Russell and Jane Evans, the authors of the book From Invisible to Invaluable. And it's really about what women can do to strengthen their career opportunities and to stand up for each other. I truly appreciate you being with us. Thank you so much for being on the show, both of you. Thank you for having us. I want to remind our listeners, you can hear our podcast anytime on the Fraser website, FraserCommunications.com. Fraser is a full service advertising firm. You can reach us there as well. We'll be back next week on The Deciders with Renee Fraser. Have a wonderful week ahead. <laughs> <laughs>